Would you turn with me today to Matthew chapter 14? That's where we're going to be going today for our text. And I want to start at verse 22. I'm going to read some familiar scripture to you, but I pray the Holy Spirit will be so involved in this word that that will be altogether new. And that's how God's word is. It's the living book, this word of God. And I pray the Lord would help us today worship him through his word. Verse 22, Matthew 14. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Now that last statement from God in verse 33 is the high point or the main point of this lesson of Peter walking on the sea, of Jesus calming the sea. And that is to realize, to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you understand that? See, it's not about whether you have faith in your faith in Jesus. What it's about is believing that Jesus is the Son of God and therefore believing His Holy Word. That's what it's about. But until get there, it all means or sort of meshes in our walking with Jesus. It really does. And sometimes we walk with Jesus in places that are most unlikely, even on the water. Did you know you can walk on water? (laughs) Jesus walked on water. But Peter, you see, did not walk on water to display some feat or some uh, outstanding activity of his faith. Peter walked on water 
to get to Jesus because he loved Jesus. See, he saw Jesus and he didn't see anything else but Jesus. And that's what you and I got to do. We're going to ask God, God, I want to see Jesus. Because I guarantee you, he wants you to see him. And he gives us eyes to see him. And he bids us to come walk with him, just like he said to Peter. Come, he said. And he's saying that to you and me. He tells us to come unto him when we're weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Strengthened by that rest, we are able to take on then his yoke and to be with him and to walk with him wherever he calls us to go. So I want to talk about that today. What a wonderful place in scripture to deal with walking with Jesus. Uh, My title today, I've been in this theme for a couple Sundays, but today I want to talk about walking with Jesus when we're in the waves. When we're in the waves. Now we have waves, and the waves aren't as much problem as the wind. What we have to understand is that Jesus did not come to this earth and live a perfect sinless life and go to the cross and die for us and rise again so that we'll have life easy, that we won't have any ways. What he came to do and what he did was he came to save us from the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says that really clear. What we need to be thinking about when we're looking at Jesus and walking with him, though unworthy sinners we are on our own, but he has saved us from the wrath of God by paying our sin debt. Now, I don't know how much you owe. I don't know what your obligation is financially, but I want you to know that your sin and your sin debt to God is paid in full. And it's paid so much in full, it's not a matter of God making the down payment for you and calling you to keep up the installments. See, God has saved you by his amazing grace. And he has paid your sin debt. Now, I don't want you to doubt that any longer. I don't want you to let, I don't want you to let your works or if you're good enough or what you did when you messed up. I want you to see Jesus. And I want us to rejoice. And when it's all over, no matter where we go in the boat of life, that we'll understand surely, thou art the Son of God. Because that's all that matters. If Jesus is the Son of God, and you know it, you are a blessed person. Because you didn't get that in Sunday school. You didn't get that in seminary. You got that because Jesus said the Father, which is in heaven, hath revealed that to you. And I'm going to tell you, friends, that will keep us in the boat. That will keep us with God, wanting to walk with Him. Even when we struggle and often get off the path, we'll know 
that God is serious when he saved us. And he will not let us alone, but he calls us to rejoice in that salvation and know that he is the Son of God. Jesus is. And there's no other. He's the only way to God. I want to look at this from the standpoint or making my, my points. And there's so many that I won't get to from this. But the ones I want to make, I want to deal with your eyes and my eyes. And not, I'm spelling now. I'm talking about spiritual eyes, but I'm, I'm spelling that like a, like a I-Z-E or I-S-E. And if I can do that, I know this is kind of different, but I don't know. Thank you for your prayers. But to walk with Jesus in the waves, I see we need the four things, at least, that we see in this text. Number one is we have to organize, okay? Secondly, we have to see compromise. And thirdly, we have to be involved in exercise and fourthly, we have to recognize. And that is recognizing Jesus. So the first thing is organize. Now when you organize, and I'm not as an organized person, many of you are. I know if you, you're a teacher, you got to be organized. But what an organization does, or what an organizing does, and I want to have this a spiritual application, is it, it makes sure that we have what we need in the right place when we need it to do what we're called to do. Got it? So I want you to know with me, God is not the author of confusion. He's not. So see, we're living in a confused world. And the reason we're living in a confused world is that this world is not organized according to God's Word. See, what happens here to the disciples, and what happens to you and me, he says in verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. In other words, Jesus made them get in the ship. See, Jesus has given his grace to you, his irresistible grace. You see, the first thing to do about being organized is obedient to God's word. Because if we're in obedience to God's word, we're always in the right place. And God will never take us to a place where there's not his grace. You understand that? See, what's about to happen to these disciples, they don't know it. But they're going to have a rocky ride. You don't know what you're going to have to deal with. We don't know how rocky the boat's going to get. What we need to be thankful for, and we need to understand that Jesus has put us in the boat. Now, it could have been worse. He sent the multitudes away. Now, I don't care what council culture teaches. God does not treat everybody alike. You hear me? We all deserve to go to hell. But Jesus says to these disciples, get in the boat. Just like Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God put him in a boat and God closed the door. And God has put you in a boat. God has given you a time in life on this earth. No, it's not about salvation. 
God saved you by his grace. You were saved before the foundation of the world. But now God has given you life on earth. And he's given you a boat. And you know, I remember growing up. Some of my first fishing trips with my daddy. And I remember in that pond. And I remember being fidgety because the brim were not biting. And I would start moving a little bit out there. And I remember my daddy saying, Randy, do not rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. So God, now God can rock the boat, but you and I are not. See, when we're in the right place, then we are in his grace. It might be that we have a rocky ride, but it means that Jesus is with us, that we're walking with Jesus. And then when we're there, what a blessing it is. You know, I, I, I would rather be as hard as it is, and I've been there with some of you, in the family room down at the funeral home, waiting to go in to say your last respects to your loved one. I think that's one of the places that always comes to my heart, Lord, I just don't want to be here. And I imagine you feel the same way. But what I found is, and what you'll find, is that when we're where we're supposed to be, even though we don't want to be there, God has a great way of showing his glory and getting us to where he wants us to be for our good and his glory. Now, sometimes he delays. And the reason he does is that so we'll much more appreciate what he's given us. And also, so that God will be most glorified, which is the purpose of life itself and why he's given us a boat. What we ought to be thankful for that he's put us in the boat and not sent us away like the multitudes. He says to the disciples, get into a ship and go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And then when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into the part, the mountain, to pray. And that's what Jesus is doing. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, Jesus has all authority. We're going to see this. I don't think there's a greater part of Scripture that to display the sovereignty of God. Jesus controls our destiny. He does. And these guys have a destination, and so do you. Jeremiah 29, 11 said that God has, tells us that God has given us an expected end. God has promised that we'll be glorified, not because of how good we are, or what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us and to us. He says, all the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I shall in no wise cast out. Well, well, the sovereignty of Jesus, he has all authority. He says in Matthew 28, he says, I have all authority over heaven and earth. Jesus said that. In other words, he has authority over Satan. Did you know? He has authority over the holy angels. He is in charge. He's walking on the waves in this Bible. And he's walking on the problems that you and I face. And don't tell me that you have to deal with life and situations, often adverse circumstances, even ways, 
and God doesn't know about it. How little can that make God? God knows about it, but what he's doing, he's growing your faith and bringing the trust so that you got something to hook on to when time comes to be hooked on to God and to Jesus. Where would you rather be? Would you rather be with the multitudes? Or would you rather be in the boat with Jesus on a storm? I know, you don't have to answer that. But see, we don't, we don't, we, we understand, we just like Peter. So, so get organized is understanding where we have put things, where we can find things that we really need to get done what we're supposed to do. See, I have a problem around my little place. I will forget where I put things. I mean, it might be a hammer, or it might be a saw, or it might be a shovel. And so I start blaming people for it. Where did you put it? And when I find out, it's right where I left it. So what we think about in our lives, when things get kind of tough, we will say, well, where's Jesus? I'm going to tell you where he is. He's right where you left him. When have you prayed? And when have you prayed trusting God? And I'll tell you how we can test a prayer. You know, you remember that faithful woman Hannah in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel? That woman prayed. And that woman prayed that God would give her a son because she had none. See, we got to pray. When we pray, we pray for something we want that only God can give us, that God would have us, and she prayed in God's will. But here's the way to test your prayers. Here's the way to test them. When Hannah finished praying, I mean, they, they thought, you know, Eli, that she was drunk. I mean, the woman was praying. She was not concerned about what people thought about her. What she was concerned about is God and how her life was organized around crying out to God for something only he could give her. But when she finished that prayer, the Bible says she went away and her countenance glowed, so to speak. What she did was leave a burden. So when you and I pray, are we praying for God to do something now, there's nothing God can't do. The deal is, we don't know what God ought to do. We know what we want. But see, God is wise, and but we got to trust him and believe him that, yes, he can do it. And there's no need for us to go to God with our petitions and our breaking hearts and then go away wondering if God is going to help us. We need to trust him and believe him and bless his holy name. And that's what organizing means. They were organized. And you get organized by God's word. Because when you're organized, that puts your priorities. What does Jesus say? That should organize our life. That should shape and mold everything else that we do. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep. Jesus says, I'll never let you go. Jesus says, you are forgiven. Jesus says that he will meet all our needs. And yet, we quibble and we squirm. May God help us 
to be organized in our spiritual eyes on Jesus and his word. Even memorize, that'd be another eyes, I guess we could use, God's word. If these disciples had remembered God's word and what he had told them, they'd have been a lot better off in that ship when the storm comes. See, another deal here that, that even is on the side, and maybe not, he has just fed over 5,000, Jesus has, with two fishes and five loaves of bread. And these multitudes were wanting Jesus to declare himself to be the king. Everybody liked him. But again, Jesus did not come to fill our bellies. Jesus came to feed our souls. Because he said, I, Jesus, am the bread of life. So now he's teaching these disciples who remember not. Another account of the gospel said, they remember not that he had fed the multitude with the loaves. How many times we miss that? How many times we forget what God has done for us? Man, I do, I do, and I shouldn't, I know. All right, so, so organized is what happens when we follow Jesus, when we walk with Jesus. Get in step with Jesus. You can do it. You can do it because he enables us to do it by his spirit. And so secondly, let's think about compromise. What I mean by compromise is not that Jesus' love for us is ever compromised, not God's faithful, not in the least. It's not. I mean, Jesus comes to these disciples through this horrific storm. It will not separate from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death. But the compromise I have in mind is understanding that life has a lot of ups and downs. For, for example, Peter goes from saying, Lord, bid me come to you. I mean, that is strong faith. And then the next moment, he's saying, Lord, save me. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like me. I mean, if we're honest, we've got to understand there's a compromise here between this flesh and spirit. We're not always walking with Jesus. We're not always in the boat that he said to get in. We have to understand that there's a compromise of his grace in our lives. As God leads us and guides us and understands the, the winds and the waves, that we have to face. Because he says, but the ship was now, in verse 24, in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. How many waves can you think about in your life right now? Things that interrupt. I mean, these things can, can overwhelm you. They can kill you. They can. They can bring stress and discouragement in your life. Waves. I mean, I mean, you're in the boat, and here's the waves. As we get older, here's a wave coming. How am I going to deal with this getting older? What's going to become of me? My family. My business. 
the church. I mean, you lose a loved one. There's a wave. It's real. Now, these waves are real. And they will, they will throw you. They will, they will pull you out to sea, just like that undertow down at Tybee or any other ocean. They're tidal. And it seems like that, that in our life, that, that it's just not one thing, but there's a wave of them. You ever had those experiences? I mean, you know, you, you're getting one thing done, and man, I don't know how I can get to this, and, and here comes another. I mean, it's just like Job, where, where his, his children died, he, he lost his family, he lost his business, he lost his I mean, just one after the other. Waves are real. But, but that's a compromise we have to understand that, that as long as we're in God's boat, and as long as we realize we have a destination, there will be conflicts. There will be trouble in your life. And it's not because of some great sin you've committed necessarily. The reason it's there is because God is growing your faith and anchoring your trust in Him so that not only for your good, but for all those others in the boat with you, will be able to see that thou art, Jesus, the Son of the living God. And that is a great testimony that we should enjoy and rejoice in. I mean, it's not all smooth. It's not. And so there's a compromise. You know, I, I do weddings every now and then. And I see the look in that groom and bride's eyes. I mean, it's just like, Man, you just see love everywhere. I did a wedding the other day down, uh, down over at the portal area, and there's a, a couple, the guy that was being, the groom was a farmer, and he had this big John Deere tractor up there. I mean, that was, they were taking pictures on it, but it was right not far from where we're doing the vows. I mean, it was spit shine. It was spotless. And I went over and asked him before we started. I said, now, is that one of your tractors that go in the field? He said, yes, sir. But I said, I had it cleaned up yesterday just for this service. And you know, when I was doing those vows, I thought about that tractor, and I said, you know, that is clean over there. It looks really good, but, but tomorrow it will be in the field. It will be dealing with the waves of dust. And so we sit in the church this morning, and we gleam over the grace of God. And we think that he saved us from our sins. And we go home. And if we're not careful before we get home, our eyes will get off of Jesus and start looking at ourselves or what we don't have or what we want that God might not want us to have. If we're not careful, that's what will happen. So we see the organize. We see the compromise. Now again, compromise it's that struggle that we understand. Hey, hey, let, let me say it like this. I believe you know that God is ultimately the victor. And you know that God's not going to let you down. He is not. He says, he that has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. He says that in Philippians 1.6. And I believe we know that. We amen that. 
But then there's a compromise of our flesh. Even though we know that, that we're just sheep, then we still struggle, struggle, don't we? Because we want to go to God. We believe we can walk on the water and the waves and the problems. We can believe we can do it. But what happens? Not long. We, we feel like we're so weak. We doubt. I mean, it's like the disciples. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration one moment, and the next time in Scripture, they're in the, they're in the Valley of Humiliation. You watch it. When God blesses you, and God gives you that grace, and you know it comes from in that God will test you. And he does that with waves. And so when it's in the waves, it's when we see Jesus. And the whole deal is, what does it take, my friends, to get our mind off ourselves and on Jesus? That's what walking with Jesus is about. And if God sends a wave, and the storm, all he's doing is displaying his love and his wisdom and his mercy in your life. So then, exercise. That's what Peter said. He got over the organize and the compromise, but he said, Jesus, if it be thou, bid me coming to thee. And verse 29, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. See, faith is about exercising our faith, moving toward God, moving closer to Jesus, walking with him. That's why you have faith and I have faith, to walk with Jesus. That's what it's for. And so what it's there for is so that God teaches us. How does he grow it? He does it by exercise. You go down to the gym and you're going to, if you work out, you're going you're gonna to burn your muscles. You're going to break them, actually. And what happens, they respond to that by getting stronger. And so your faith is like that. See, my girls, all of them, I think, you know, we got bicycles when they were, little girls, and I remember they'd ride those bicycles, but they had training wheels on, and so I remember the day that I took the training wheels off. Now, they fell some, but I knew that they were not going to join those bicycles if they kept the training wheels on them all the time. Now, I remember Kelsey at Callaway Gardens riding a bicycle with training wheels, and she rode it so fast and so hard up and down those hills that she actually popped the tire on her training wheel. I still remember that. We had to take them off right there. So my point, though, is this, that your exercise of faith, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, Peter, well, come on. And notice, Jesus didn't get mad with Peter when he started looking at the waves. Jesus didn't say, well, what are you doing? I thought you was coming to me. You know, sometimes I think when, when it's just like I, I heard a story about a drowning man, you know, and it, it's like this. It said the guy was out there drowning and somebody standing on the shore says, well, why don't you do this? Or why didn't you do this? Or do this and the guy couldn't do anything. That's how we are. 
We do everything but hand out a hand and, and help them. That's what we need to be doing. I mean, people can't do some things. Peter could not walk on the water without Jesus. But he just took out his hand, didn't he? But he was, he was working that faith. James, it? it says, faith without works. It's dead. That's an exercise. See, if we're not careful, we get lazy in our spiritual work. I mean, we're living in a world today where I'm told people don't work. I mean, you can't get people to work because they're being propped up so much with stimulus and, and other things. But that's not going to help. That shows you how confused the world is, but we can't change the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And we're in the boat. And we're in a boat that has some waves and storms. And Jesus comes. And we see Jesus. And we love him. And we want to go to him. And there's no problem that you face or you're dealing with. I believe that you see that and you see the Lord in it. You're going to go on it. Because most of the time, our situations in life, your brokenness, mine, our hurts, our disturbances, our disappointments are the very ways and the paths, rather, that Jesus is walking, coming to you. And we don't recognize him at first. But that's my second, last point. Do you recognize Jesus? They thought he was a ghost. I mean, that was some sort of apparition. I mean, I believe sometimes we, we see our life just being shipped. I mean, I lost that, God. I, what am I going to do? And then Jesus comes and we don't even recognize him. I mean, I mean, Mary of Magdalene in the garden didn't know. She said, well, where's Jesus? And it was Jesus. The disciples on the road to Emmaus. And you heard what happened to our Lord. And yet to Mary, to, to Mary Magdalene, Jesus was a gardener. <laughs> and he still is the gardener in so many ways. See, Jesus goes to pray in this, in this place in Scripture. He's praying, and He's praying now. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. The one that has all authority is praying for you. What a blessing. What a joy. But to recognize Him. He said, when Peter began to sink, look at verse 30, but, but when he saw the wind boisterous, see, he had been looking at Jesus and because he loved Jesus, he was walking on the water. When you see Jesus in your problem, you're going to him because you love him. But then, if we're not careful, we look at ourselves, we look at our circumstances. Do not look at yourself. Do not look at others. Look at Jesus. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Do you want to be saved? Then look to Jesus. Look at Him. And do all you can do until He delivers you. These disciples were doing all they could do. What were they doing? They were rowing frantically. They did not give up. So you keep rowing. And you're looking to Jesus. And when He shows up, don't be afraid. 
See, when they heard his voice, see, you're going to recognize Jesus in his word. You get into this book, you're going to recognize Jesus. Because he says, the scriptures are they that testify of me, of Jesus. So we recognize him. And we recognize how weak we are. We recognize the way the world is going. But we recognize Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. That we recognize him. That he reveals himself to us. And he does. He comes. And we have a great Savior who blesses us with his great mercy and grace. But you know, Peter began to sink. Sink. You know, he didn't just go down with a splash. You know, that was grace. You know, God lets us sink slowly. You hear me? I mean, we just don't all go down. I've often wondered why God didn't just zap me. I mean, you know, I mean, he should. But no, he'll use us and use these trials that, that we know we're sinking. We know we're kind of we're overwhelmed because we've looked around and we see that being bigger than God. And we take our minds off of him. But Jesus lets us sink slowly. And then what happens when he helps us, that water or that is like a cloud. We, we don't know what's down there, but we step in faith and we find a rock. A rock. That's what Jesus is. A rock. His word is solid. Don't you ever get away from it. He tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, if, if, if you believe him, and you do it. Your life is like, a, is like a house that's built on a rock. And when the storms come, you young couples, you build your marriage on that. You build your life. And older too, on God, on believing Him, His Word, trust Him. Know that He's going to be there. Yes, the boat might be rocking, but I'm going to tell you what. Jesus is on the way. You look for him. You know, there was another place in Matthew where there was a big storm in Matthew 8. And Jesus was already in the boat then. And the Bible says he was asleep. Jesus was asleep through all that. How could he be there? Because he's the son of God. Because he's organized. Because he knows what the sacrifice it took to make a compromise between us and God. Because he had done all to exercise his faith that was given to him without measure when he kept the righteousness of God's law perfectly and then give it to you and me so that we would be considered by God righteous. Can you believe it? That's what salvation is. Man, may we never complain because our ride is kind of rocky. Rather, let's thank God for what he's about to do. Thank God that he's given us faith to be exercised and how he's going to use us. Peter sank slowly. That was grace. And then lastly, or just, just leaving you with this, and they came into the ship and the wind ceased. See, it wasn't a matter of Jesus calming the sea. Just like it wasn't necessarily that Jesus fed the 5,000 with bread. It rather was that Jesus is the bread. <laughs> and it rather is that Jesus is in the boat. 
That's what walking in Jesus amounts to when we're in the waves. When Jesus is in the boat, it's going to be all right. Because Jesus is a Savior that saves. A deliverer that delivers. That is faithful and that loves us with an everlasting and drawing love. But it does take some time, waves, to get us looking in the right direction. I think we're doing that way now. We have to. There's simply nowhere else to go. When the disciples asked Jesus, when everybody had left him, and Jesus says, will you leave me? And they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I want to ask you, who are you going to look to? Your boat's going to be in a storm. Sooner or later, it's going to get there. God did not give us salvation to keep in the port. God's boats will prove what our underneath is made of in our life. Like faith, the strength of His grace that can buoy us up amongst the greatest storms that He gives us. And in the end, we worship Him. And that's exactly what we should do. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him because He is the Son of God. May the Lord enable us to do that, to know that, and bless that in all that we do. It's my prayer.